Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. And wildcard weekend is almost upon us, plus the head coaching carousel is very much in full spin. We'll look over all the big vacancies, we'll discuss the Patriots' downfall, and we'll be joined by a future first ballot Hall of Famer, DeMarcus Ware. This is the Gridiron Show. Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you, yes you, Ollie Hunter, Yes, in the game. It's caught on. <laughs> um, I like it. Yeah, Ben Mortimer and the team will uh, be sorting you out all your trip needs, and when there is an announcement made by the London Games, I couldn't possibly say when that will be, maybe keep an eye on my Twitter in the next day or so and I'll be doing my usual of just pushing some information out into the world it's that thing that you told me is that there's there's is there's, that likely there's three major bits of information that i've got to tell you ollie but i'm not going to share any of it on the podcast right no, no, now. no no but you told me one thing uh did i yeah i can't remember which bit i told I'll, you i'll just but... whisper in your ear okay yeah that's fine yep 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 um maybe to the last bit but definitely that but not ne- necessarily Ooh. that. Ooh. <laughs> I tell you, that is very exciting. Uh, there was one other bit of information I told you on WhatsApp. You obviously didn't read it properly. Ollie not reading a message properly. Hashtag shocker. Ollie uh, a bit all over the place at the moment. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, get ready to timecode this. The other thing I was going to tell you is that there's going to be <laughs> games this season. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So we'll just bleep yeah. out that one word where I say how many games it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're listening that to the- many yeah <laughs> <laughs> so few so many <laughs> uh, you listen uh, so this is the good show in association with touchdown trips getting you in the game coming up on yes, the show you. today we're yes you we're going to be previewing the Who four me? playoff games for this weekend panthers saints bills jags falcons rams and titans chiefs probably in that order um and then we're going to be um we're going to be talking about the head coaching stuff. I've already sat down and basically chatted with Matt Sherry for what was meant to be 10 to 15 minutes and ended up being nearly 40 minutes. That's like any phone call with Matt Sherry. <laughs> it really is. It just so happened you were recording and talking about football. It, it, it really is. Um, <laughs> All right, Graham. And, uh, <laughs> really so, is. So we, uh, we, yeah, we got into this. I don't know if you've seen the Seth Wickersham article today, basically uh, spelling out the potential end of the Patriots, but it's done big business on the internet this morning. Oh, no. So we. Um, what a shame. So uh, I got into that with Matt, and then we talked about the available vacancies, which is the most attractive, who could end up in them, and a few other bits of news, etc. as well. Did you have that playing the whole no, time No, I didn't, but I really wish I had. That's a was great he like idea. that? Uh, no, actually, he was surprisingly uh, all right with the whole thing. Who's, like, um, it, I, I know the gist of the article. It, like, it's who... I, the, the, there's a big power struggle between we, us. Why don't we just save it for the conversation with Matt where we discuss all of this in about two, three minutes' time? Oh, OK. <laughs> uh, Ollie, we're okay, going Well, I wanted to ask you as well. OK. Who's, who's the person that should take the most credit 
for what they've all done for that that dynasty oh it's got to be built around belichick surely i mean you could there's a there's a craft arguing he obviously pumped in the money brought belichick in all of that stuff but then without brady belichick wouldn't have been able to do any of it but he was the guy who does most of the recruitment there has did you get into the this with all the situational football uh, Bel- it's 100 percent belichick the whole thing about would belichick have been as good without brady would brady have been as good without belichick that argument only works one way with for me and it's proven by the fact that Bill Belichick went and found Jimmy Garoppolo where he did and I think he would have found if not Tom Brady which was actually a bit of a lucky pick anyway because he got him down in the sixth round but had he not found Tom Brady when he did I think the Patriots would have found their quarterback of the future and let's not forget they were on the cusp of a Super Bowl with the guy who was there before Brady anyway sure, so sure, sure. I, I, I think Belichick maybe not the same level of success but would Belichick have three four rings with the Patriots without Brady I think so okay no 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 good good I just wanted to, you know, it, there was no wrong or great, right, mate, there was no wrong or right answer. It was a great question. I'm sure that you got into that with Matt. It was a great question, mate. Didn't it get, a, in, didn't get a, uh, into that with Matt. We no. didn't know. Okay, well, interesting. But it was a great question. Okay. Well done, mate. Thanks, mate. Uh, so yeah, that's um, that's coming up. Demarcus Ware, former Dallas Cowboy, Super Bowl Fifty winner with the Denver Broncos, an all-round legend. He's doing the Sky coverage this weekend, and we chat to him on the phone coming up shortly. And me and Ollie preview these upcoming playoff games. That kind of sums it up, Ollie. Uh, anything you'd like to get into before we get into football chat? I'd just like to say I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what for on this occasion. I mean, you know. But as a blanket as a blanket thing, yeah, great. Yeah. I appreciate your apology. Mate. I would also like to apologise to all of those people out there that feel that something has, done, has been done wrong to them. And whatever it may be, but just know that I am sorry for whatever that person did to you or that organisation and... I hope that proves of some sort of solace. I feel like I should also be making an apology for making the career decisions for other people. Uh, and um, should you be saying this uh, on this forum? Um, I'm not sure. And uh, okay, you're going for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just going to apologise for uh, just a blanket apology for everything I've done wrong, despite having done nothing wrong we now know what this podcast is called <laughs> the apology podcast <laughs> right let's get into it with Matt Sherry DeMarcus we're coming up and then we'll talk playoff football right we will return to Ollie a bit later in the show and preview this weekend's four playoff games in some depth and we've got DeMarcus Ware coming up shortly as well but editor of Gridiron Matthew Sherry joins us now hello Matthew hey buddy how's it going yeah very well mate thank you very well indeed pumped wildcard weekend at least 50% of it no 75% of it I'm pumped for 75% of wildcard weekend um, but there's loads of other stuff for us to get into loads of other news and bits and pieces uh, to discuss the head coaching carousel but I feel like we've not spoken barely at all over Christmas and New Year's you have been swanning off doing important things like being a father rather than doing the podcast I mean it's just devastating uh, so how have you been mate I've been good. We had a nice Christmas with the family, and then we went to Centre Parks for New Year, which was pretty cool. So it's been good times, and throughout those times, I've often had an iPad on watching NFL or college football as well. So I'm fully up to date with everything. What's the, what's the Centre Parks New Year's look like? Um, when you've got a one-year-old child, not overly exciting, um, but we did go for a nice meal of sleep, and then we went back to the room and well back to our little cottage thing and uh and just saw it in the new year there so it was it was nothing too exciting just had yourself a little nap a little baby man nap 
That's more you, Willie. You have all the time. We know that. <laughs> Yesterday, we had um, uh, John Jackson and our friend Ali came round to mine. We were watching Wrestle Kingdom 12, uh, which is like the Japanese equivalent of WrestleMania. Um, and... Uh, we were watching it specifically for one match, which was happening at about 11am. But they came around for when it started at like 8am. We had some breakfast. I cooked up a nice breakfast for us. Uh, you know, we had a couple of snacks, some hot drinks. It was lovely. Uh, around about the start of the uh, the match that we'd been waiting three hours to watch, I fell fast asleep on the sofa for half an hour. Of course you did. <laughs> With two close friends in the room. <laughs> Ridiculous man! You're the you're the king of naps, aren't you? <laughs> I have I have worked like something like 24 out of the last 25 days, so I am claiming that it's perfectly acceptable to behave as I did. Yeah, fair enough. If that's what you want to say, that's fine. Honestly, I could take a nap right now. I'm not of lying. Of course you could. <laughs> of course you. Could. I went to see the first part of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child last night, which was great. But I didn't get in until very late and then had to be in work early this morning. And now I've got to go to the theatre again tonight to see part two. And oh, is it a two? I didn't realise it was two parts. Yeah, it's a two-parter and you either go, like, if you go on the Saturday or the Sunday, you go to both parts in one day. So you go and see it like a matinee performance, then go off, have yourself some dinner and a couple of drinks, then go back in the evening. Or you can go over two nights, Thursday and Friday. So it's like five hours of live theatre. Yeah, fair it's, play. It's, I'm, I'm. Is it good? Tired man. I, I, I would like to say it at some point. Um, I, I won't go into too much detail because I know Ollie's going to have talked to me about this already because we're not recording this in order, uh, pulling back the old curtain. Um, but yeah, it's incredible. It's genuinely incredible. Like to the point where about half an hour in, I was like, yeah, I'm quite enjoying this, and then about an hour later, I'm like, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Fantastic. <laughs> um, it was sherry levels of hyperbole. Um, we're going to talk about some of the news stories around and also talk about the latest on the NFL head coaching vacancies. But uh, I know for a fact that you've read the Seth Wickersham article that's gone up on ESPN today. I know because you've done it while I sat here in silence and listened to you read it. Um, Which is louder than it should be, I imagine. <laughs> much louder than it should be. <laughs> Between the breathing, the typing and everything else, and Josh desperately uh, FaceTiming you... Uh, between all of those things, it, it was uh, it was surprisingly noisy, um, but it's obviously caught a lot of headlines this morning. Uh, I think it's something that we've discussed throughout the season that everything didn't quite seem right there. I think there have been suggestions. Uh, I know that old um, uh, Coward has has been putting his oar in and claiming that he thinks that there are problems because Belichick wanted Garoppolo to stay around and potentially over Brady even. But this is really going in depth with the idea that the power struggle behind the, the Patriots' big three is real. Yes, I mean, I don't know whether we've discussed it on the podcast, but certainly we've all discussed this over the last few weeks. And it's basically exactly what I thought it was, which is the the pressures have built up over this Guerrero stuff and, and it, the TB12 method coming out and how a lot of the claims in that kind of don't mesh with an organisation's view. And I think that's what's created it. The interesting elements to me are that Wickersham openly suggests that Belichick could just call it a day with the Patriots at the end of this season which would be astonishing I mean I have to think that Robert Kraft being the sort of person that he is will sit these two down at the end of the season and figure out a way for them to coexist but it's 
really if we think about it it's a surprise it's taken this long because these great people who are amazing coaches or amazing quarterbacks generally have egos and it's taken it's taken this long I mean the thing I think with Brady is the whole Madden goat game and the TB12 method is is maybe he's starting to to believe in what he's achieved and that's totally understandable but I think within that he now isn't necessarily at 40 as prepared to take some of the flack he's taken from Belichick that's part of the story as well I, I think it's always fascinating because uh, just on that point we've always heard uh, one of the positives of Brady and why he's so amazing is because his, his willingness to be coached and his willingness to actually take that flack and, and I'm not suggesting that that's suddenly completely gone out of the window but certainly the relationship to it seems to have developed and not in a way you'd want it to yeah absolutely and I mean I, I think the interesting element to me now is just totally what happens after the season because I mean if they win the Super Bowl everything's on the table isn't it I mean Belichick could easily just decide well that's enough for me now and six but, is enough for anyone mate yeah well exactly but I mean my best guess at this point would be the craft sits them down they find some common ground within that at the end of the season and then I if I had to guess I would say that Belichick coaches until Brady retires and then decides whether the next guy who I assume the draft this year is a guy who they could move forward with and if he is I think Belichick would coach some additional years with that guy um, if he is if he isn't I think he would walk away then but I mean I am not a person who can tell you about the inner sanctums of Bill Belichick's mind and probably no person exists that is other than maybe his girlfriend Linda Holiday I think she's called so who knows it's interesting though I mean it makes the off season a lot more interesting and potentially is absolutely incredible news for the rest of the NFL and on a week where we're meant to be talking about lots of teams other than the Patriots somehow we're talking about the Patriots again Hooray! We actually <laughs> the the uh, level of hate that came in at one point during the uh, week seventeen about the Patriots saying that we only ever talk about them when something negative's happening. I'm like, yeah, well, that's not very often, is it? Uh, we talk about the Patriots a lot. Thank you. We've done two Super Bowls where we've done five shows a week, six shows in a week talking about the Patriots. I'm sure that there's been enough Pats coverage on this show. Just getting muffled. Absolutely, out there. you're right. Um, Fair. Some, a couple of other stories just to quickly cover off. Uh, one real positive and one real negative story from uh, from the kind of the, the injury side of things. Ryan Shazier's father this morning uh, has spoken with WPXI TV in Pittsburgh and confirmed that Shazier has feeling back in his legs. Although it's declined to comment on whether Ryan is walking again, uh, his father said he's much better. But we've agreed to keep his progress private until we're ready to share where he's at. But even that alone is fantastic news to be able to share in a morning and, and it's fantastic to see on the other side of it Pete Carroll confirming that Cam Chancer and, and Cliff Averill will find it hard to play football again I mean I have some fun on this podcast and on Twitter etc with the Seahawks and Seahawks fans and, a, and as a divisional rival but that for me is one future Hall of Famer and one borderline future Hall of Famer and if we're losing them from the league then that's a real shame yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and I, I think the injury situation with various players is 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 another thing that bears watching over this season. And, and that Seahawks 
situation in general in that you've got those two guys, obviously, who have been an amazing part of their success, particularly um, Cam Chancellor. I mean, he has been enormous for them. And then you also have to look at Earl Thomas and Michael Bennett. These guys only have like one year left on their contracts as well. So I think Seattle are one of the teams to watch in the off-season. I, I think it's going to be really interesting. They've, they've missed the playoffs for the first time in several years this year. And I think the think they realised that they need to make some big moves. I remember when they first went in there, Pete Carroll and John Schneider, how they completely turned that roster over. And obviously, they've got some pieces now, so they're not going to do it completely. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them as, as maybe the most active team in the off-season. Another one that's been mentioned is Jimmy Graham, suspected is unlikely to come back at this point uh, this year. I mean, Daryl Bevel's one person who, because we're going to be talking coaching changes, is one guy I'm surprised there's been no comment on the potential of him being moved on or or replaced. Uh, maybe it's a case that there's so much, so many coaching changes happening right now. Uh, maybe as many as I can remember in a season recently between coordinators, the number of head coaching jobs going that maybe you just see what the landscape is in about a couple of weeks time and make a decision on whether or not you're going to try and move try and move that situation on or, or stay with the status quo but we've talked about it a lot of times Russell Wilson is a phenomenal is, is an actual real life phenom but whether or not you can continue to work with him just running this playground offense and not having any structure around him for more for for the next year two years five years whatever is really to be seen and and I I would I'd love to see Russell Wilson operate in a proper offense his ability his talent combined with a good team around him would be amazing I mean at the end of the day we've kind of seen that in the past when they had a great running back because the running back masked some of the offensive line problems in that teams were so holding on the run they didn't get to Wilson as quickly and Wilson just needs a bit of time I mean there's plays where Wilson the ball snapped to Wilson and there's a guy in his face already and there's multiple players like that a game which isn't a sustainable situation so yeah I mean they need to do a lot Seattle I mean the, the issue that they've got really is they need to do a lot everywhere because in the past they've, they've always had the defence so with the defence they always had something to fall back on now they kind of have to instead of having a great defence and a, an average offence that can be elevated by Wilson they need to create a good defence and a good offence at the same time unless they decide let's reload on defence get a good running back and try and recreate the programme that they had a few years ago but I mean at some point they need to give Russell Wilson the, the tools around him on offence because he is the guy who will win them Super Bowls Um should we talk about coaching then and get round to these uh, one the, the one other one that did catch the eye Marty Morningweg is returning as the Ravens offensive coordinator another one that surprised me slightly with the way that offence played this year uh, but yeah that's been confirmed by John Harbour he will be returning um, spoken to Ollie about this briefly already but can we start with the Green Bay Packers because they've made the change at GM where Ted Thompson might still be within the organisation but he's certainly moving upstairs they'll be bringing in a new GM or bringing in somebody internally they're changing up the offensive staff in terms of uh, uh, who's playing in well they've already got rid of Dom Capers on the defensive side uh, I believe that they're also letting uh, Scott McCurley and Mike Trovac go they're changing their offensive staff in terms of uh, Edgar Bennett is being reassigned to another role Alex Van Pelt will not return the quarterback coach 
a lot of changes. Mike McCarthy's still there, though. Yeah, and I mean, is it certain that Mike McCarthy stayed? Because I've assumed that, but then I've heard a few things saying it might not be. I mean, is he definitely still? The, the reports out of there are that he is the person making these calls on the on the staffing. He is the one suggesting that who needs to be moved on, who needs to be changed. I mean, I'm not sure he has that sway over Dom Capers or not, or whether that's come from above him. But certainly, with the offensive changes, that's come from McCarthy, apparently. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely should have say over the coaching staff. But I just wonder what goes on with the dynamic in the personnel department. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I personally don't think Mike McCarthy was shined in anything like a good light this season. Um, not in the least. And, and I've never really thought he's a great coach. And it's it's difficult because, I mean, if I'm the Packers, I'm, after this story, putting in a call to the to Bill Balachek and said, look, are you going to leave at the end of the year if you are? <laughs> and you can coach Aaron Rodgers. Like, I mean, but the problem is, the Packers could have their pick of coaches, couldn't they? That's the thing. I mean, so I, I, I would like to see them completely clean house and and I would like to see Aaron Rodgers in a new offensive system because I think that's half the problem. But, yeah, I mean, it sounds like Mike McCarthy has won a little bit of an internal power struggle and I imagine one of the guy, one of the, the next GM is one of the younger guys in there. I mean, you've got Wolfson in the organisation who if, if, if he doesn't take that job, you would choose. So... Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the most interesting thing for me is who the, the hire is, defensive coordinator. I mean, I'm making a call to Rex Ryan immediately. If they could get Rex Ryan in with Aaron Rodgers on offense, I think that they'd be formidable. Yeah, the, the guy, because uh, Elliot Wolf is is obviously the director of football operations and, and son of uh, legendary GM around those parts, is one name to be considered. But apparently there's a lot of talk about Brian uh, Kunsk, who is uh, Kunst. It's going to be a name that if he gets in the GM job, we're going to have to say a lot. Better get used to it. He he is... um, They both interviewed for the 49ers job before Lynch got it last year. And for what I understand is Gudekunst was the one who impressed San Francisco a lot more. And Wolf is still very young. So people who have kind of nailed on the idea of Elliot Wolf being the de facto next GM there, right? Gutekunst is just the name I would really be paying attention to. And I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to hold off on Wolf for another kind of cycle and bring him in as the GM next time round. I think they've got a guy who's bought in as being there long term thanks to his family connections, etc. If they don't think he's ready yet, they do have someone else in house who. So another team was pretty much ready to hire until Shanahan and uh, and Lynch kind of put their oar in together. So um, I, that's the other one I would just really keep an eye on with, with the Packers. I do. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers coached by somebody else and have that change and have the last three, four, five good years of his career played with a with a staff that are going to put a proper offense around him and and be willing to sign free agents as well as draft and everything else that's not been done well in Green Bay because we've seen it this year the way that the way that that team collapsed when Aaron Rodgers went down was for me real clear evidence that it's not been well run and and the one Super Bowl that they won was kind of a miracle run to the Super Bowl. I mean, they had a load of injuries that year, and they just caught lightning in a bottle. And it wasn't like... Uh, there's only one season where Green Bay has been as dominant as they should be with Rodgers, and it was the year they finished 15-1. and one. And obviously, even that year, they got beat by the Giants in Lambeau in the playoffs. So, 
I mean, you look at what the Patriots have done with Brady, and you compare it to Green Bay with Rodgers, and the, regardless of the argument as to who's better all-time, etc., there's no argument, really, that those two quarterbacks are, at the very least, on the same level. So, it's not been good enough. So, if I'm a Green Bay fan, I, I think we've made steps in the right direction. I think Dom Capers was, was the main issue that needed resolving. But I'm also thinking, in the back of my mind, is it enough in that should they completely have started with a whole new regime. I mean, Josh McDaniels would have made so much sense in Green Bay. I mean, I'd have loved to have seen Rodgers in that offence. They, but they could have had anybody. I mean, they probably... Do, do you think it's beyond the realms of possibility that Green, the Green Bay Packers could have lured Nick Saban out of Alabama? If there's, a team, if there's a team that's going to do it, I would have thought yeah. that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers is one... He needs it to be a mega offer if he's going to leave Bama. And that's yeah, and, the one and, I think is a mega offer. And, and Nick Saban, if he had played on his competitive juices, surely wants to do something in the NFL, and that that gives him a chance to do it. I mean, I, if Nick Saban went to Green Bay, they would be the favourites to win the NFC immediately, regardless of anything else that happened. So, so for me, I think the Packers need to need to look at, in their organisation and see just the sway that they have, and they have that because of number twelve and. I'm just never going to be convinced that Mike McCarthy is the man to continue to lead it forward. There were some surprises when it came to the coaching side uh, the, uh, in terms of coaches being safe. Marvin Lewis, Vance Joseph. We've kind of talked about a lot of those in some depth and we will. there's plenty of the off-season to talk about them. So let's focus on the jobs that are there and are open because a lot has happened since New Year's Day morning. Uh, Dave Gettleman was confirmed as the New York Giants, new, head co- uh, new GM, and we'll be waiting to find out who the head coach is going to be there. And uh, we report in that New Year's Day I think by the time we went through we knew that Pagano and Jack Del Rio had gone we were expecting Caldwell and Fox to go and both did go um, and Arians being confirmed as well uh, of all of that where would you like to start Matt Sherry? We need to start with John Gruden don't we? Yeah, I do. so we already knew that the Jack Del Rio situation had happened and we knew that Jack Del Rio was, was almost never going to be fired unless it was going to be unless they had somebody else in mind I mean he was the boyhood club of his he was someone who actually they weren't that low on as it were we talk about people being high on people they weren't that negative about Jack Del Rio but they saw the opportunity to land a big white whale for a, a for a franchise who need desperately to keep the fan base on on board while they've still got two years left in Oakland they did it to an extent with Marshall Lynch at the beginning part of this season but it got sour quite quickly bringing Gruden in a guy who had a huge amount of success there although they did trade him away let's not forget but uh, uh, that is one hire that's going to have the fan base at least excited how convinced are we that Gruden with as many years out of the game though is is the right man to come in and, and still coach in the NFL I'm, I'm, I could not be more convinced about it and, and I've written it in in my column for the next magazine that I sent you last night Will um, listen I think Gruden's <laughs> the one that I definitely coach, am going to read today I promise I hope you do The one, for me John Gruden's head coaching record stands up to any scrutiny I mean he, he did a great job with the Raiders like a legitimately great job and he had them on the Super Bowl track they were in his final season one of the most controversial calls in NFL history away from beating the Patriots and getting to the championship game. He turned Rich Gannon into 
into a special player. I mean, he deserves a lot of the credit for that late season run that Rich Gannon had. He's the best quarterback that he's worked with, by the way. And I mean, Rich Gannon was a good player, but he wasn't. I mean, I think Derek Carr has more potential to be a better player than Rich Gannon. And then, and then people criticise him for for winning the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay with Tory Dungy's team. But I mean. I think I've written in there it's not like he walked into the building and sat in the office and went right guys just get on with it do what you would have done if Tony was here like it's a ridiculous argument I mean he was the head coach they were dominant I mean they absolutely blitzed the Raiders in that Super Bowl I mean they were the dominant team in the NFL that season and yes the last few years weren't amazing but he finished 9-7 and in his last two seasons again with with no quarterback is it his fault he never found the guy a quarterback you could make that argument but then a lot of other great coaches haven't found the guy at quarterback it's not easy to do and I just think he's waited I think this is a really good situation for him to return to the Raiders I think Derek Carr for all I personally have some reservations about whether he's as good as people thought he was last year is certainly potentially very good with the and, right and you coach. know you and I sit on level pegging on that one I, I've never been Derek Carr's biggest fan but actually raw ability wise I think it's there and with the right coaching he can be turned into a, a top 10 NFL quarterback and and just just look at what some of the young coaches around say about him I mean this is what I've written in the column I, I spoke to David Shaw in July whose dad was a career coach Willie Shaw who were, who played under Bill Walsh and kind of asked him the question of who've been your biggest influences expected that he would wax lyrical about Bill Walsh about his dad and he just went yeah I mean I had those guys but number one without a doubt is John Gruden and then Sean McVay the the hot young coach in the NFL would say exactly the same thing so he's had a great influence on younger coaches I think he's lived the life of a coach for the last 10 years I mean I think he really does get up at four in the morning as he says he watches a lot of films still I think it's so really I'm, it's really funny that this season we've seen him uh, a lot of people have kind of fallen out of love with Gruden a little bit this year because his performance in the booth has maybe tailed a little bit he's been a little less critical I think people have op- openly noticed that I wonder how much he knew about yeah, the opportunity that was going to rise at the end of the season and whether he curtailed the way he was being in the booth based around that I think he I think he knew he was coming back to coach and I think he knew when he did he would get basically most offers that he wanted and he should do I mean I wrote in that column a couple of months ago for the mag about how how bad coaching is in the NFL and how there's only one fringe Hall of Fame coach outside of Belichick which in my opinion will be Andy Reid I think Gruden is immediately in that list I mean he has huge potential with the Raiders I think even as a Patriots fan I'm sick of how boring the AFC is and maybe we'll be proven wrong on that in the next three weeks but to have him there with Auckland in a really competitive division and as potentially a a challenger for the Patriots provided everything doesn't unravel after the season I think it's very exciting I think finally there's another coach in the AFC who could be across the sideline from Belichick and wouldn't be intimidated and you would back schematically to beat him I think I think it's easily the most exciting hire in in recent memory and I'd be really excited if I was a Raiders fan and to boot he's a really great character the kind of character that you want in the league I mean I'm hoping that the Raiders come to London now so we get to interview him and all that because it would be awesome and listen I think it's I think it's hugely exciting I'm, I'm delighted that he's coming back 
let's look to the jobs be, that, that we don't know who's going to be landing in them then. And uh, so I'm going to start with Arizona and first of all to obviously say Bruce Arians, incredibly emotional, his press conference. I'm in a way delighted for him. I mean, winning his last game, getting to go on 8-8 eight and eight with a team that really never deserved to scrape to 8-8 eight and eight after, the, after the quarterback went down and the way we saw them play in London. But... Bruce Arians a great guy we got we're very lucky to spend 10 minutes with him last year at the Super Bowl and hopefully we'll get an extended conversation with him at some point if he does move into the media I mean it will be my my life goal to go and sit down with him at some point and do something more extended with him um I mean it could open up perfectly get that guy in the Monday Night Football booth in place of John Gruden and I think the whole world will be a better place it will it will if he's if he could kind of present himself as a broadcaster but yeah I think it would be amazing I mean as, as long as they've got a way of bleeping out strong language or he has a chance to practice <laughs> like that that would be my only concern for ESPN is that they might have that, that might be their only slight concern he's not a man to to mince his words I mean I look at Bruce Arians' career as a what might have been situation yeah. even more so after this yeah. year I mean he he got his first job at 60 which is when he stepped in for the Colts when Pagano had cancer, so it was only as the interim coach, had a rookie Andrew Luck and had a team that had won, I think, two games the year before. Nine and three in 12 games. Ten and six his first year with the Cardinals. They were really hot at the end of that season and missed the playoffs and could have done some real damage. 11 and five his next season. Got into the playoffs and I believe they got beat off the Panthers, but... Carson Palmer was injured. Am I right? Uh, that's what I remember happening. Yeah, yeah, they got. I remember, uh, they, they I remember got the Panthers finished hammered. They like uh, the, it was the Panthers ended up finishing really strong and, and, and putting a lot of points no, on them. I, I think I think the Panthers won about seven games that year, but snuck into the playoffs and obviously had a home game because that somehow they won the division with that record. And then and then I think. I think Ryan Lindley played quarterback in that game for Arizona. So that was a really unfortunate scenario. The next year, they ran into a buzzsaw with the Panthers in the NFC Championship game on the brink of the Super Bowl. And that that was what season, I was thinking of, obviously. <laughs> last last season was the disappointing 7-8-1 where we eventually found out the guy had cancer. And then this year, a terrible team that somehow finished 8-8. Eight and eight. I mean, listen, I think he's done an unbelievably good job in the last six years I think his record in the last six years stands up to Pete Carroll Bill Belichick just below those two for me as the best head coach and just such a shame that it took till him being 60 to get the job because I think he could have been a Hall of Fame head coach and we won't find out now but I'm sure we'll love him in his in his next gig probably on TV Look, there, are, there are some great examples of uh, like the, the list of candidates this year it's it's a lot of coordinators but i think there are some really hot names in there uh, and and i think we could go into each one in depth and discuss who would be the best fit where etc etc but but just let me ask you this I, I think there will be it'll be interesting to see where which direction teams go with defensive offensive etc and there's there's certain situations where for example i think with the lions they they We'll give a, a head coaching interview to Jim Bob Cooter, but I think what they'd ideally do is get a defensive coach in and have Jim Bob Cooter have another two or three years as a coordinator first. Um, but if you were looking at those five jobs available, Arizona, Chicago, Detroit, Indianapolis and New York, what kind of stands out as the most attractive of those jobs? 
Listen, I think it's Indianapolis if if Andrew Luck is healthy. I think the Tennessee job will come available next week and, and be really attractive as well because, I mean, I've taken nothing from what Marcus Mariota is doing under that coaching staff. I well, think I, I think what's really interesting about that as well is, is you've got the two, two of the hottest of those hot head coaching candidates are the two coordinators we spoke out about out of New England. Both of them have had interviews previously and not not either fancied it or whatever it might have been, whatever the situation was. We've got if the Titans job comes up as well, I believe this is right. Tennessee and Detroit, you've suddenly got two teams where there's a Patriots man in the front yeah. office, and absolutely, yeah. that's the situation that they want to walk into. It, of course, it is. I mean, I, I think Patricia is nailed on to get the Detroit job. I mean, I think that that's what the speculation's been. I'd be intrigued by Patricia. I mean, I think people have the wrong impression of him as as kind of a, a mini Belichick because he's this really intelligent zany guy and but he's actually known in that building to be one of the most personable coaches the players absolutely love him he's got a great rapport with players which doesn't come across in media interviews but that's the way they're coached over there so I think his personality is very different to what people think it is and I, I think he has a shot to be to be really good he's done a, a great job with the Patriots defence this year as well and, and McDaniels I mean I was just going to say, there's a lot McDaniels of talk. Just to, touch, just to touch on the lines, there is a lot of talk about Wilkes. There's a lot of talk about Vrabel as well, uh, the, the Panthers and, and Texans defensive coordinators. Again, all similar kind of moulds. I'm not surprised to hear those, the other names flying around. But I mean, Patricia I mean, the, definitely the, the, seems I, like the right one. Vrabel's interesting, but I mean, he was dreadful last year. I mean, as, as much as they lost a lot of players in Houston, the way that defence performed was a disgrace. I mean, but... The one argument I would say, you mentioned this offensive and defensive thing. I don't think it matters at all. You need to find a head coach, not an offensive mind or a defensive mind, a head coach. A good head coach should be able to turn the hands to both sides of the ball and be able to get involved where necessary. And I think that was part of the piece I wrote a couple of months ago about how teams look for the wrong things in coaches. So if if teams have seen that in Mike Vrabel, which is what they apparently have, then absolutely fine. Go ahead and hire him. It, I, I'm not bothered about his record as a defensive coordinator but that's what I'm in, always interested to see I mean I think I've said to you Will what teams do they're bad on offence they hire an offensive guy then they get bad on defence they hire a defensive guy you've got to find a head coach and that's a different job and you, you need your interview process to be geared towards finding a guy like that who yeah, can I, walk I, in build a programme it's, it's one of those that I, I do totally understand that but the reason with the Lions I think it is so specific is because they think they've got one side of the ball sorted and as well as Matt Stafford has played under Jim Bob Cooter I think they might be right which is why alright you need a head coach but I, I think a lot of these candidates coming from coordinator positions there's not a lot of people out there who are pure head coaches been a head coach before know how to run that and will bring along a defensive coordinator to run that side of the ball I think in Detroit it's quite a unique situation I, I think the Detroit job is an interesting one I, I think the Giants one is an interesting one as well although you're walking into the Eli Manning buzzsaw of the of w- just what you do in that situation. Do you go and get a quarterback? Do you keep him around? Uh, Gettleman, I think, has been an interesting hire, but I still think with the talent they've got on the defensive side of the ball and with the talent they've got at receiver between uh, OBJ, Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, there is enough talent there to be excited about it. And it's a little bit like Arizona. Arizona, you've got a great running back. You've got great pieces on the defensive side of the ball. You've got a pass rusher. You've got a backfield. But you've not got the quarterback anymore. 
So th- those are kind of two jobs where I think they are attractive if you think you can go and get a quarterback this year. And watch how seamlessly smooth this is. You'll never have noticed that Matt Sherry has gone from talking to us on a normal microphone to a landline. Hello, Matt. Hey. Um, yeah, I mean, you are right on both of those jobs. For me, the Giants one is really interesting simply because if you can, if you can convince yourself that you can coax something out of Eli for just even a year, they can draft and develop a guy with Eli still there. And if it goes well the first year, you could ex- you could have Eli for a second year. And I think his cap hits are like sixteen and seventeen million dollars, so you can afford to carry both quite easily at the cost of a top tier starting quarterback. So that makes that appeal, and alongside the fact that it's a big job. I mean, the Giants' job is one of the biggest jobs in the NFL. It's got a lot of prestige to it. So that one's the bigger of the two. I think the Cardinals' job is undermined by how good a job Arians did last season in that their draft status is a lot lower than you would think it would be for, for what that team, how that team was constructed last year. So I guess the only other one we've not really talked about is, um, is Chicago. Which is just one question, what do you think of Mitchell Trubisky? And I think the jury is still out. I mean, he was fine. I mean, uh, for a rookie, he was good, I would say. I mean, I think there's promise there, but who knows? I mean, you... I think- I, my 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 feeling on Trubisky, and it could all change. He could prove me different. He could prove me wrong. I think I, what I see there is not the talent to be a top 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 tier quarterback. However, does he look competent enough and with a good enough arm strength, etc., to run a, an offense where? It's got a good run game and it's well structured and it's you know could he be a nice bang average? Alex Smithy, Andy Dalton, slightly above type quarterback. I think so. I don't think he's he's going to be a bad quarterback if he gets coached well. Just maybe not a top tier guy. The thing you'd say for him, he, he was much better in his rookie season than Jared Goff was last year. Throw yeah. to a terrible receiving core. I mean, their the receivers are, are non-existent. So it's impossible to judge him really. I mean, and and there were and there, there were some huge limitations in in the offense in terms of what they allowed him to do. So, listen, I I don't think you can learn a huge amount more about Mitchell Trubisky based on the tape this year because of how run centric they were and how how little they had him throw the ball. So, uh, it, that takes a better mind than mine to be able to look at that film and and see whether see whether the the fancy it. I guess. Right, we have talked about all this stuff far longer than we'd intended to because it's a big, long podcast, Matt Sherry. We've still got to preview the weekend games and speak with DeMarcus Ware. So I will bid you adieu. Um, enjoy this weekend. I assume Hello. you are... We're, we're, week 17, we took maybe a little rest from Gridiron, but there'll be plenty of interaction on social media, so keep in touch with us throughout the games this weekend, and uh, we'll be back at the start of next week. Brilliant. I'll speak to you then, buddy. Beautiful. Thank you, Sherry. Uh, can I just say one final thing? Yeah, go on. Our Super Bowl party is free to attend this year, thanks to some great sponsors called Red Zone Sports. Please just sign up on our website to come. I mean, only sign up if you are actually going to come is the main thing that I would say. But sign up on the website. It's completely free to attend. The same party that we put on every year without the £10 admission fee. It's going to be awesome. And actually, I say the same party. It's going to be amazingly better. I mean, we've got all kinds of new stuff there. You can buy merchandise on the night. You can place bets on the night. We're going to have cheerleaders there. We're going to have all kinds there. And we're working on 
some other awesome things that will make it even better. So it's it's going to be amazing. So absolutely delighted to be joined on the show now by uh, a member of the 2000s or decade team, a Super Bowl winner with the Denver Broncos at Super Bowl 50, a long-time Dallas Cowboy as well, and he owns all sorts of records for that franchise. For my money, a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's part of the Sky coverage this weekend. Uh, Demarcus Ware joins us now. Uh, well, afternoon to you, Demarcus. Thank you for taking the time out to speak with us. Uh, thank you guys for inviting me on. It's funny, actually, we, we were speaking just a couple of weeks ago with um, Malik Jackson, and we realised the last time we'd spoken with him was in the locker room back in San Francisco, and then when the guy said you were coming over this weekend, I realised that the last time we spoke with you was in the locker room <laughs> in San Francisco. Um, so, uh, we just need to get Derek Wolf on the phone and Von Miller, and we'll have that whole line <laughs> have been set. on. <laughs> exactly. Phone everybody here right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you, Demarcus, how has, uh, how's retirement from the NFL been suiting you? It's been going good, man. Get to spend some time with the kids now and, and be a dad, but uh, also now get to do a little broadcast and talk about football and and uh, not have to beat quarterbacks up. <laughs> <laughs> has it has it just been the broadcast side, or have you been keeping your hand in football uh, either on a personal level or been getting involved with any of the teams or anything? No, I just um, been doing from a broadcast level and then helping a lot of the pass rush guys out. You know, they, if they need any help. They'll come down to a little gym that I like to go to in uh, in South Lake, Texas, and then we'll just work on some hand stuff and everything. So I like teaching. I like teaching the guy, you know, some pass rush techniques. Exciting stuff. What did you make of last uh, off season? There was uh, Von Miller, Khalil Mack, Cliff Averill, a few of the other kind of top edge rushers in the league got together at Stanford's campus and put on a like an edge rush camp and all kind of shared ideas with each other and, and, and did some training. I mean... As a as a competitor, what did you make of the idea of these guys from different teams getting together and sharing their knowledge? I was actually there. Oh, wicked. So, amazing! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was I was actually there, you know, helping a lot of the guys and and showing them some, you know, film study, but also showing them how to do it on the field, and then having all the guys that are you know great pass rushers in the league share their knowledge on why they do certain moves. So. Each one of the guys, they cut up some tape on how they were the passer and then worked on their moves and get each one of those guys to explain what's going on in their mind was really, really unique because then you get a perspective, not from a coaching point, but from the exact guy who does the move and why he thought the way he did. This, like unique is the right word for it. I was kind of taken aback when I heard about it. Because in my mind, and then like, so what if you're Von Miller and you're on the sideline and suddenly Khalil Mack gets to your quarterback and, and you're like, damn, I taught him how to how to pull that move. I, I helped him with that hand <laughs> technique. That's Surely that's a little bit of competitive advantage. Oh, you know, the thing is, I think it can be a competitive advantage. But the thing is, if you're a good player, you're a good player and you can't be stopped. And all those guys there are one of those, one of those players that they can impact games to a level to where, you know, when they're getting the sacks, they're getting, you know, sacks in general and turning the football over, they're going to make plays regardless of whatever situation that they're in. And uh, that camp was really good for them. That's really cool. Um, what, what did you make of, uh, of Vaughn's claim as well that, that he thinks a player, and specifically that he could do it, could have a 30-sack season? Is that something that, that you think is possible in the modern NFL? I think I think it can because now the NFL is start starting to become not a run league but a passing league to where they're passing the ball a lot more. So that means that you can rush the passer a lot more. But the quarterbacks are getting off of that football and they're protecting the quarterback. So I think you can 
get 30 sacks in this league, but you can't miss any. And I see a lot of the guys, what happens is they'll get there maybe just in the nick of time or they'll miss the sack and it's over. So you, you can't miss any. You can't make any mistakes if you're going to try to get the 30 sacks. So what you're saying is if DeMarco Ware was starting in the league now, then 138 and a half sacks is, is, is nothing compared to what you'd manage with, with quarterbacks passing the ball even more. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think that, you know, <laughs> instead of getting, a 20, getting 20 sacks, I'd tack on 10 more and uh, being able to get 30. But I think, I think it can happen. Um, what have you made of that Denver defense? Obviously, since since you've left there with with Vance Joseph this season, it uh, statistically it's underperformed from where it was. I mean, they've had to transition a little bit in terms of the scheme. But what have you seen as being behind them them falling off a little bit this season? But you know, the thing is, when you have changes um, with maybe a head coach, you have changes with some of the players like TJ uh, Ward or me not being there or. You know, with the offensive line, certain guys are changing around. So you have to get – it's a team sport. and It's 11 guys out there playing. And it's how fast all those guys in the off season and during the season build that camaraderie with each other to play football games. And sometimes people can be on the same page. Sometimes people can not be on the same page. And um, that takes time. But I know that it's going to be with more experience. There's going to be a lot more progression. And they're going to be a better team this year. Demarcus, a man, the aforementioned Malik Jackson, who who we just spoke about, since he's moved to Jacksonville, a slight change in position on that line for him, and he's had an incredible season so far this season, eight sacks. Is that something that you expected from him when he moved away from Denver and he would be so uh, prolific in, in that respect, in that aspect? I think Malik was going to excel because when he was with the Broncos, he had more sacks than that, and he was at a 3-4 tackle, meaning... Half of the time you have the two-gap, meaning you have to play the run, and then you try to get to the quarterback. But in his position right now, he's a nose tackle or a regular tackle to where he can rush the passer more. He's more into the pass rush position, and he can you know make more plays, and he's an athletic guy like that, so he's in a perfect position. I mean, that Jacksonville defense, it'll be live on, on Sky and on TalkSport 2 this Sunday night going up against the Bills, but you know, le- leading the league in sacks, setting all sorts of franchise records. We saw Calais and Malik and a bunch of players Yannick. set their own personal career records. How impressed have you been with that defensive front? Um, I mean, when they got you know Calais Campbell and I knew Malik was going down there and, and the, the other cast that they have, I knew that their defensive line was going to be great, but you got to think about Ramsey and the cornerback core that they have down there. I'm just like, this right here is one of those defenses that, you know, they are they are the best in the league, and they've been a catalyst for their team to get to where they are right now. And, uh, you know, defense wins championships, and uh, that's what it's about. <laughs> you definitely know that as well. I, I just, I just, I want to say, DeMarcus, I'll let you tell Calais and Malik that those sacks were coverage sacks. I'm not going to take that job. <laughs> Hey, I'll, I'll tell them that and, and make them more pissed off right now, and they'll they'll probably do really well this game. Uh, I also want to ask you about a, a, a namesake and a guy who's now rushing the passer in one of your former haunts, Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, a real breakout yeah. season for him this year. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and uh, I think he should hopefully be sticking around there and being paid big as well. Uh, how impressed have you been with him this year, and what do you think has has led to his ascension? I think uh, as a pass rusher, usually your second or your third year, that's usually your breakout year, and you start to figure out that it's not just about athleticism. It's about playing the chess match. 
what the tackles are giving you, but also how they're going to attack you in all situations. And you become a smarter pass rusher and how to uh, get things done. And I can see that's what he's doing. And just talking to him, he's one of those guys where he's willing to learn. And he's learned so much. And now that experience is showing out there on the football field. It's not a bad person to be learning off either. The the sack leader of your team, uh, a bit historic. Um, Looking forward to the games this weekend. uh, We've obviously mentioned the the, the Jags this weekend. We've also got the uh, Falcons-Rams game on, and I know it's a little bit more internal than than you were looking, but we've just been discussing that Rams game, and uh, and Aaron Donald on that line, he's going to be going up against two backup guards this weekend. That makes me feel like the Falcons have no hope. You know what? The thing is, you got to think about Wade's defense. I've played in Wade's defense for almost eight years and having an opportunity to see how well that defense is excelling. And then it, start, it starts with Aaron Donald. He can be, you know, defensive player of the year this year. And he's been that guy that's been a catalyst for them that's getting that pressure. But then you got to look at the whole other supporting cast that they have over there. You know, you got freaking Goff, you got Gurley that's, you know, moving the chains and keeping them off the field and, and then scoring a lot of points. So now they have to pass the football. And what Wade Phillips does very well is he blitz those teams. And, you know, Atlanta's going to have some problems when they play. It's interesting you mentioned, Wade, because we're going to ask about just that because everyone's talking about Sean McVay for Coach of the Year. But it, it's great that you can go in there, initiate your offensive scheme and really focus on that side of the ball when you're able to bring in maybe the best defensive coordinator in the NFL over the last 10-15 years and that's what experience I think they did the perfect thing with McVay coming in being dynamic being able to create a lot of plays for you know Gurley and golf but also you know with you know Cooper Cup being there I mean all those guys and then you bring in Whitworth um, the left tackle Mm. that's going to make sure the offensive lineman's right and then you bring in Wade, who's a dynamic guy. You have a lot of dynamic players, which is Quinn and Donald and guys that can make a lot of plays. And then they can open it up on defense as well. So I think it's a two-headed monster with, uh, with McVeigh and Wade. Now, I, I just very final question for you, Demarcus. We'll let you get off and get rested up, ready for this weekend and, and being on over the next couple of nights. Um, you said defense wins championships. If you had to pick out one of these twelve teams right now ahead of this weekend to to go to Minnesota and go all the way, who would be your pick? I would say I would say the Rams because um, their offense is so good. It's you know if you can get up on the opposing offenses and now them be able to rush the passer that's what they do very very well especially with Aaron Donald that's when you start winning football games and that's how we won football games it takes both teams um, so I would say the Rams beautiful stuff look DeMarcus real pleasure to catch up with you good luck for this weekend and enjoy it and uh, yeah if you're going to be in Minnesota doing any radio row or anything we'd love to catch up with you there as well Hey, for sure and thank you so much the delightful DeMarcus Ware enjoy him on the Sky coverage this weekend although of course what a guy I'm sure for the Rams-Falcons game on Saturday night, Sunday morning, you'll be watching it on the TV whilst listening to me, Ollie, and Greg doing Brady. That overnight? Uh, on the, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but I'm saying be watching it on the TV whilst listening to me, Ollie, and Greg Brady waxing yeah, lyrical yeah. on Talk Sport. The only place. You can also yeah. make the same option on Sunday night for Bill's Jags if you so wish with Talk Sport 2. Sunday evening. Yeah, that's open to you. Yeah, but you could also. And if you want pro Jags commentary, which if you haven't tuned in, (laughs) it's it's insanely pro. Honestly, you should tune in just to hear how it's basically a bit like Talk Sport programming, 
Talksport commentary is actually very unbiased, but a bit like Talksport programming, but they're commentating on a game. It's good fun. Frank Frangi, um, Jeff, Lagerman. Jeff Lagerman, and Tony Baselli, friend of the show, uh, all around good guy. It's good fun to hear how biased they get, but also there is some balance in there as well. I I thought last week the Titans game was one of their best weeks. Yeah, you probably I, didn't listen, but I thought it was one of their best. What weeks. do you mean? I probably didn't listen. We wow. were doing the broadcast live together, were we? Yes. No, we weren't. Yeah, we were. Were we? Yes. Yeah, we were. You are unbelievable. Sorry, I, everything's I, everything's all sort of merging into one. I'm honestly disgusted with the fact that you forgot that. I'm sorry, mate. Let's talk about the four games this week. Oh, yeah, we were. It was New Year's Eve. (laughs) Thanks, mate. It's a New Year's Day. Well remembered. Um, Sorry, sorry, mate. (laughs) Uh, I've I've blacked out a lot of what happened that day. How would you like to go? Chronologically? Let's do it chronologically. Okay. That does mean we have to start with Titans Titans Chiefs, which is a little bit of a shame. Oh, I've just seen our commentary team is for Saturday night. Bit of Kurt Warner. Yes, please. Oh! Um, Oh, That's going to be like when it's Mike Mayock who I love yeah yeah um Titans Chiefs the postseason opener in Kansas City wanted to make sure that there was a, a little bit of unbias there because we're not playing any titans that was a bit out. like rock paper scissors <laughs> you and i could have gone do- totally different ways we couldn't have do- done anything it was great well uh, done yeah mate. great work uh so ollie how do you see this one going chiefs right moving on great um, look, <laughs> no, uh, I, look i think the chiefs are they're coming into they're, they're coming off a, a little bit of form they've they've rested some of their bigger players Kareem Hunt only played one snap scored a touchdown off it last week uh, Alex Smith is going to come back he's going to be refreshed it's like many of their stars Travis Kelsey included have had a bye week and they're coming back and they're facing a team in the Titans that aren't really cohesive uh, they've got a great kicker in Ryan Suckup let, let and me, that's it. Let's, let's start. I mean, on the point of the Chiefs' offense, uh, kind of the, the big plays dropped away during the, the point of the season when they dropped away. They brought in McNeegy to uh, call the plays, but working with Andy Reid on that. Yep. And they started attacking teams that downfield. They started attacking teams that, where they're playing zone coverage and getting vertical. They put Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill together on the same side of the field and did a lot of interesting little crossing routes and... and uh, and in interesting formations and, and basically got deep and attacked the safeties and really changed the way they were doing things. But do you think they were, they they made hay with that change of strategy because everyone had figured out what they're doing well, so in this, the first place? Yeah, so this is so this is how I think this weekend's going to go. Because Tennessee have got some pretty good man corners. Adoree Jackson's got better and better as this season's gone on and, and could end up matching up with Tyreek Hill. Um, I like Logan Ryan a lot. Um Alex Smith tends to be a little bit caught out by the pass rush. If you get, if you can get to Alex Smith, um, he's. He, I mean, he is a capable guy. But if you force him out of his reads, Casey have struggled against man coverage when they've been trying this other scheme. But all that misdirection stuff they did at the beginning of the season that worked so well works brilliantly against man coverage. So I think what they need to do is a lot of movement at the line, a lot of trying to figure out what the Titans are playing, and whether they're playing Zoe versus man. 
they can either go back to the way they were playing early in the year with all the misdirection stuff, all the guys out of the backfield, all the short passing, or if they're playing a zone, then they can attack them downfield. They've actually now got both facets. What I want to see from Kansas City is that they're able to be interchangeable between those two facets. That's what would prove it to me. Do you, is, uh, is Tyreek Hill def- defence proof? So, for instance, if you put a man up against him, he's got so much pace that he can beat you. If you have him in zone coverage, he's so tricksy and also quick, he can beat you in that respect as well. Yeah, I, I think that they've got they've got really good skill position players. Kareem Hunt, I know, fell off a cliff a little bit, but I think that was more scheme based than his performance. Tyreek Hill is, uh, I mean, he looked like just a gadget player, but has proven to be more than that. Um, Travis Kelsey is one of the best tight ends in the league. I, th- I think they've got it all. I really do. It's just whether they're going to scheme it right. And I can imagine the Chiefs coming out and going up early, big, because they're very good at. Um, uh, scheming the first few series where they've got a, a pre-planned playbook mm-hmm. to how they perform beyond that. I, I think for the Titans, they, there's going to be no DeMarco Murray this weekend. Um, they're desperately going to want to kind of power running, pound the rock. The Chiefs have been a little bit light and a little bit inconsistent against the run. They play a lot of like three safety stuff. So um, relying on the linemen to do their job, not taking a lot of backup from from uh, from the linebackers but the problem for the Titans is that they do the kind of same thing the Panthers do all those kind of heavy set lines and it's really obvious they're going to run the ball and again I think as long as the Chiefs react to what the Titans are doing they've got more talent so if they see they're really obviously going to run the ball and they load the box that's a problem but if the Titans say go three wide outs and then run a draw play or a misdirection play I think that's where the Chiefs they could pick up some big chunk yardage and that might be I I really heavily fancy the Chiefs in this I don't really like the run game of the Titans I think their numbers are really inflated by a couple of 75 yard 80 yard runs throughout the season that have really helped boost their numbers I I fancy the Chiefs in a big way unfortunately Are you worried about Delaney Walker's form two big drops in the end zone last week against the Jags he hasn't really looked himself for the last three or four he'd, weeks. He's still he'd still be my guy. That's the thing. I mean, it, I think when it comes to big play or you know big games, the last game aside, you'd expect him to come up big. But those two drops, one of them was was kind of difficult, but the other one over the shoulder was a, a, a catch that he'd make all day earlier on in the season and the entirety of last season. I think Mariota has been real, really inconsistency and they lack speed at wide receiver. And Delaney Walker, actually, for a bigger, older guy, does have a bit of downfield speed. He can get open yep. later in downs, which is, is rare for a guy of his size or his age. Um, I think he's got to be, to an extent, their go-to. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't see... I, in fact, this is how I feel about all four games this weekend. Spoiler warning. Go I'm going to pick every single home team. Yeah. If the fixtures were reversed and the home teams were all playing on the road, I think I'd still pick the same four winners. I'd pick all four road teams because I really think the matchups in all of these games favour one team heavily, regardless of who's home or away. I would flip Saints and Panthers. That's the one that I'm kind of touch and go on. But the, the Saints, Saints have won in Carolina this year already. That is true. And I think that's a it's a bugbear. But, but that was right at the beginning of the season. It was the start of the Saints Renaissance. The Panthers weren't who they were. They were confused on offense. The with, Renaissance. Yeah, exactly. I think, as we saw when we went to Carolina, when they smashed Miami, when they smashed the Packers, 
the 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 Panthers are a different prospect in on their home field. But yeah, I, I've you know it's a bit of a spoiler alert. I've got the Saints later on, but. Um, yeah. Let's 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 move on. We've both well, got the Chiefs in this. Let's let's move on to the next game. Along, let's talk Falcons Rams. Um, I think the Falcons D have improved massively over over the year, and I think they've got a very quick defense. What I think really fascinating about this game is that you've got Matt Lafleur, the former Atlanta quarterbacks coach, is now in. Uh, in LA as an assistant and I think that's two things really interesting what is he going to tell Wade Phillips about Matt Ryan and about the Falcons offence that's going to help Wade Phillips to scheme for the Falcons but also he he knows what that defence plays like the defence hasn't really changed from last year whereas the offence has to an extent they've got this brilliant designed offence they don't spread the ball around a lot they tend to keep the wide receivers in bunched condensed formations and then create space with those just like they did in Washington up until last year lots of out combinations releases put the D on their back foot and then all those screen game Todd Gurley in the screen game is so sexy and I just think the problem for the Falcons D is that they've got mid-level players like Dion Jones et al who are so quick and so fast to the ball but they could be fooled in a big way by the Rams and what they have to do is be incredibly patient and incredibly professional not bite on the play designs because when they do then change later in the down they're suddenly going to find big holes and what I think you're going to find is a bunch of Rams plays where they're going to find Gurley on a screen cup short uh, find those guys just over the middle, just at, at, to, so, and they're just going to be in tons mm. of space within five or six yards of the line and be able to break off big plays. Uh, I really, really think the Rams are set up to beat the Falcons. It's very difficult to play man against what the against what the Rams do, and so the Falcons play that cover three zone they play in Seattle. Do you remember what the Rams did to Seattle in Week 16? Absolutely. There's more rest, talent on the Falcons' defense because there is n- because they don't have the injury problems that Seattle did. But I think that's a real problem. Um, are you worried at all about the Rams' run defense? Because they, you know, if if you go off statistics-wise, they're 28th in the league compared to Atlanta, who are ninth in the league. See, so Atlanta do have. Devontae Freeman, who is exceptional, especially when he's breaking tackles. Tevin Coleman on the old matchups is great catching the ball when they're when they're run plays anyway so is there any can is that how the Falcons are going to beat this Rams team here's the what problem, I'm asking is I think Matt Bar- Mark Barron's back this weekend and actually Mark Barron and, and, and Alec Ogletree are set up with the kind of hybrid coverages that the, the Rams play they are set up to beat Coleman and Freeman almost better than any other linebacking pairing in the league Say them and then the the, the Panthers. I tell you what, Ogletree, I've been really impressed with the way he he moves some, um, from uh, from uh, line of scrimmage or you know where where the play is to the touchline and the speed that he does it is exceptional. If, and if, he go, he's really unsung, I think, this season. Here's the thing with the Falcons: if they're going to win this weekend, they're going to have to get the big plays going that they've been close on, but yeah not quite there the the you know the Julio Jones completions that we've seen time and time again those have been where the issues have really sat on the offense and and they need to get that going um I, I when you talk about the other side of the ball we talked about Mark Barron and Alec Ogletree Aaron Donald is going to be going up against a backup guard in Ben Garland from his three technique Andy Levitre is still missing at left guard 
I think that's going to be a massive issue for Atlanta as well. But we'll we'll ask uh, we'll ask Demarcus Ware about that. Who have you got? Falcons, Rams. I'm taking the Rams. I'm taking the Rams. Yeah. Bills, Jags. Uh, pre-season, we were lumping in the Bills in the bottom five rosters in the NFL. There was almost as much question if they were tanking as much as the Jets were. Now uh, they're in the playoffs, but their numbers. Minus 57 point differential. They look like a 6 and 10 team on paper. I think Sean McDermott deserves a huge amount of love for what they've achieved, but surely there's enough talent in Jacksonville to end the fairy tale. I think so. The, The appetite for this playoff game in Jacksonville is huge. They've um, expanded their stadium. Well, they've they've been allowed to sell a load more tickets. So 69,000 people are going to be there. Blake Bortles, I think, has got his really, really bad game out of the way. And the Bills' defense is, I don't think, anywhere near as good as the Titans' defense. I I think that's a big question. Bortles had a great three-week stretch, but the last two weeks have been, let's say, erratic, to be kind. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Uh, you see, they they hit, they did hide balls in some games. Things like the Steelers game, turn the ball over. Tyrod Taylor, despite not being the most dynamic of quarterbacks, doesn't give the ball away a lot. I think the big thing is Jags cutting out their mistakes. Like against the Titans, you have a wide receiver fumbling. You have a special teams cock up. Yeah. You know, bad interceptions on first and second down where you didn't need to force the throw in. That's where they... If they cut that out, they'll have no problem here. I think they'll end up running the ball 35 or 40 times in the game. It's where the rotation and keeping Ivory and Fournette as healthy as possible is really going to help them. Well, Ivory was a healthy scratch last week. Yeah, perfect. Which is incredible. So either they're looking ahead or something's happened with Ivory and the way that he has been um, being utilised with the team. If I'm going to give the Bills some way of winning it, I think they need to get lucky on those like special teams plays, etc., Um, They'll need to get turnovers. And on offense, don't target the corners. Don't try and go deep. Keep it to Charles Clay. Keep it to play action. Roll out using kind of those same concepts that that they used a few times this season. That's it. Get the few big games. Keep the five or six yards going and get that kind of 15 to 10 victory the Titans did. But I don't think Jacksonville make as many mistakes as that. And I'm taking the Jags. I'm taking the Jags. And for one main reason... That's because the Bills likely not to have LeSean McCoy. Now, as per Dan Hansis of a, a, another very popular podcast, not as good as this one, but uh, it's pretty good. He said that um, he uh, he he suited up for practice on Thursday. Uh, we're obviously going to wait for the Friday injury report, but he did not partake in practice. So I'm worried that without him, their lead rusher or their main running back is bowling ball Mike Talbot. And, Pat- and Patrick DeMarco f- at fullback, the former uh, Falcons, uh, the former Falcons Super Bowl runner-up. If there's no so, if there's no LaShawn McCoy in Jacksonville, don't blow them out. That'd be disgusting. Yeah. yeah. So I'm taking the Jags, and I think it will be. But he quite is big. he is talking about playing in the last couple of days. That's been his his noise, and he's been limited in practice. So no, we'll do see. not did not practice. I'm looking at the the injury report right now. Wednesday did not practice. Thursday did not practice. Friday, go and check for yourselves. If he did not practice, he said he said on Thursday that the ankle injury wasn't as bad as he said, and he expected to go on. I mean, touch wood because I want to see a better game, but. I'd, it won't be without LaShawn McCoy. Not a good it game of football. Yeah. Panthers Saints is a good game of football. Oh, Woo! but oh, okay, the Saints have beaten them twice this season already. I don't buy into this. It's really hard to beat a team three times in a season. Nonsense. Chip on the shoulder or not, 
The Panthers have got this real boom or bust offense. If you look back on their biggest days on offense, they've involved like big individual plays like against Miami when we saw them they had two runs of 70 plus yards in that game one of which came from Cam Newton they did it against the Falcons as well where Cam Cam had 59 yards against the Falcons while the rest of the team had less than half of that I just don't trust the Panthers offense to move the ball on the Saints Uh, they What's funny about the Saints is early in the season they were making a lot of big plays, inceptions, sacks, and and they looked really dynamic. And instead they've kind of turned into the Vikings in the latter part of the season. Got a lot simpler, but just done the the big things right. Mm -hmm. The linebackers have stepped up. They've executed well. It's a time of possession game in a massive way. Whoever runs the ball better should win this one, and I think that's going to be the Saints. I think the Saints will do what they need to do. Devin Funchess did not practice Wednesday and Thursday he's the only thing that they have really on offence uh, for Cam Newton to throw to Cam Newton to inaccurately throw to um, Demer- I think is it Demarius Bird I think it's Demarius Bird who had a, a couple of good games recently is their only other option which is which is damning to say the least apart from Christian McCaffrey and he can't get anything going on the on the ground Johnson Stewart has been anonymous over the last couple of weeks and Cam Jordan is one of the best run stuffers and pass rushers in the league. I love Cam Jordan um, he so is, much. Do you know what? It's ever since we spoke to him at last year's Super Bowl Such that he's just been awesome. Unbelievable man crush on that man. Great the, guy. The, the one match I'm really excited about seeing is the Panthers' D-line against the, the, the Saints' O-line. I think that's a really good matchup. Two really good units this season. Yeah. Uh, and, and the way the Panthers have changed to being like an edge-blitzing team this year versus... Remember when they went to the Super Bowl two years ago, they basically never blitzed and just brought those two big defensive tackles down the middle, collapsed the pocket. You know, Coney Ely getting two sacks in a game was a shock because they yeah. just didn't get to the quarterback that much, but they put a lot of pressure on. It's changed a bit, and I think that's the um, and I think that's a really interesting matchup, but I still think the matchup suits the Saints better, and that's why I've gone the full home team sweep for this weekend. Yeah, I think I have as well. Saints for me too. Beautiful stuff, right? It's been a very long podcast already, so we'll wrap. Thanks, Holly. Thanks, man. I've got to go to work. Really enjoyed it. You get off to work. Any final thoughts before you do so? Um, I'll tell you how Potter was on the next podcast. Oh yeah, Are you going to see the second half and tonight? Second half is tonight. First half. Do you half book was last at night. the? Do you book both at the same time? Or yeah, yeah. So, is it, so yeah, so you either book for Thursday, Friday two on Saturday or two on Sunday so they do a matinee and an evening performance Saturday, wow. Sunday so you get to I, I'd rather have seen it that way because you're left on a real cliffhanger at the end of the first no, no, part no 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 I'm not, now no, you're no really spoilers. looking forward to it yeah oh, there no, is no, that no, no I think it's great because you get to go away you get to think about it and then you've got something else to look forward ah, to see I love the idea that you finish the matinee you go for dinner you maybe if you go as a group as well not just oh, a couple yeah. but like four or five years chat about it yeah, go yeah, to the yeah. pub few beers pontificate on what's going to happen in the second never, half never a few beers because you'll need to go for a pee a few gin and tonics uh, gin and tonic better um, <laughs> cider different drinks for different occasions cider yeah. um, <laughs> very good just uh, yeah and then, and then come back and then get to see the second half a little libated a little ready to go yeah, yeah exciting do you know what's a great little uh, place to go West End wise pre-theatre go on Spaghetti Hut Spaghetti Hut yeah or the Spaghetti House it might be Spaghetti House is Just it Spaghetti Hut or Spaghetti House I think it's Spaghetti House because I need to find somewhere to go for dinner tonight it's nice light pasta um, obviously spaghetti they do a really nice uh, king prawn and chilli oh, spaghetti now you're talking really light language. really lovely honestly 
Trust. Trust, bruv. Right. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed DeMarcus Ware as much as we did. He'll be brilliant oh, really on did. Sky this weekend. He was really good fun. I hope you enjoyed Matt Sherry t- more than I did, um, because he's great anyway. And Ollie Hunter is obviously a delight. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week. Playoff football! This has been The Gridiron Show. In association with Touchdown Trips. Getting, getting you. you. Yeah, yeah yes, you. yes, you. Yes, you. Yes, you. You. you in the game. Yes, you. Touchdown Trips. Getting you, you in the game. And you. Yes, you. 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 And you. <laughs>